you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Beautiful story of a beautiful friendship, isn't it? I mean, that just kind of fills out this picture in our mind's eye of what we would want to experience when we think about a friend, a friendship. You know, God said it is not good for man to be alone. And Solomon, he, uh, he wrote Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. It was kind of a defense of friendship or a justification of friendship. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So it makes really good sense, you know. God designed us to have friends. Solomon justified friendship in our lives. Then why is it so hard? Why is friendship so difficult, seeming so elusive? Well, people. <laughs> people. Because people come and, and people go. People wound and they forget. They abandon, they disappoint. People look out for number one. People are busy, people are blind. People are ambitious. All of these things and, and more make true and lasting a friendship something that's hard to find. But you know what? When you find it, when you experience it, you know it's all worth it. Every bit of it. And I've told our kids uh, often that if you want to have good friends, you need to learn to be a good friend. And so in Proverbs, thankfully, we've got this book of wisdom to help us in our lives when it comes to our friendships. Spells it out. What kind of friend uh, you need to be. Now, it doesn't make it any easier. But when we apply God's wisdom to these relationships in our lives, good things happen. Good things happen in us. And good things happen through us. So let's pray as we dive in here. Heavenly Father, we uh, rejoice in this time that we get to spend in your word, soaking up uh, the wisdom that you have provided for us to know how to live. And um, when we think about this uh, important uh, area of our lives, uh, the, the relationships that we, that we have with people who we call friends, I mean, immediately... Um, immediately we can think of, of, of hurt and pain. But we can also think of the best times in our lives. And so, Lord, we know that, uh, that it's, it's a bit of a minefield, uh, but the journey is worth it. And so as we, as we dive in this morning, we pray that Solomon's wisdom that you gave to us through him would be fresh in our minds, that you would uh, give us ears to hear, and hands to go and do um, and serve, and that it would be good for us and good for 
your kingdom, your glory. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the first thing we want to learn to be a good friend is we want to learn faithfulness. Be a faithful friend. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And so that is describing some layers of relationship that God designed in our, in our lives that are there um, that really is the stuff that life is made of. I mean, when you think about life and all the different parts of it, when it comes to family and friends, I mean, that's the stuff. I mean, that's the real stuff. That's the important stuff. And um, so they're there. They're designed to be there for our strength and our support when things go bad in our life. I mean, they're meant to be conduits of God's grace and mercy and strength to us when the lights go out in, in our life. And so that's how it's meant to be. But sin entered the world way back when through that first man and woman and that messed everything up really bad. And so now it's, it's hard and, and, uh, I guess more often than we would like to admit, instead of strength and support and comfort and encouragement, um, that we're supposed to get from family and friends, we're, we're getting bumps and bruises that we're trying to, to get over and to heal from. You know, I was thinking, for, for followers of Jesus, we should be the best friends that anybody could ever have. I mean, on, on the planet Barnum, I mean, we have, our, hearts, our hearts have been born again into a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and so we've got this leader who shows us how to live. He told us how to live and he showed us how to live with a cross on our backs so that other people could have life. He showed us that. He told us that. And so as followers of Christ, we've got the Holy Spirit within us. And so within us, we have the secret to be healing, uh, to be comforters, to be um, encouragers in our life. We have the ability within us to be faithful to family and friends when it is hard to be faithful. So what is, what is a faithful friend? What is faithfulness? Well, I got, I got a picture to show you. And so this is our dog, Watson. All right. Uh, he's an English Springer Spaniel. Uh, we've never owned an English Springer Spaniel before, and we found out why they're called Springers. Because <laughs> they have a bit of energy, and they can spring off the floor, all fours. It's kind of fun. If you've ever been over to our house, you've probably received the Watson welcome, is what I like to call it. And it's really just him just getting over the moon excited that somebody is walking through the door. You can walk out the kitchen door and walk around to the front door and you get a Watson welcome. I mean, it's, he just loves it when people come over. And so, in fact, we put him away uh, when we're expecting people who don't know Watson because they aren't familiar with how he says hello. And it sounds pretty ferocious. But really, it's just all about love. I mean, just, just, just totally. But here's the thing about Watson. You can ignore him all day long. And he will come when you call him. You can scold him, you can yell at him, you can spank him on the nose, and five minutes later, he's laying at your feet. He's always happy to see you, no matter what mood you happen to be in. 
He is always ready to go with you no matter where you are going. It does not matter where he will go with you. There's a bucket of toys in our living room that are Watson's toys. And when he wants to play, he'll go get a toy. And he'll bring it to you to see if you've got game. If you don't, he'll leave the toy there and he'll go back to the bucket to find another toy and bring it to you to see if that one will work to get you up and get you going. He's engaging. You know, he's trying to get you to play. If you are sad, he will be glad just to sit with you. If you are happy, he will be more than happy to share in your happiness. Morning, noon, or night. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. In sunshine, in the rain, in the wind, in the, in the snow. It does not matter. He will comfort. He will love. He will cheer you up. He will give you courage because he is present. He is with you. A faithful friend is going to be present. So they will not shy away from your madness or your pain. They will not stay away from you because of your drama or your needs. A faithful friend will drop what they are doing to be able to be with you when the lights go out in your life. You know, in our world today, we have to remind ourselves there is no way to be a faithful friend on Facebook where we are trying to amass friends. There is just no way. You need to be there. You need to be in the same room where your presence alone will communicate love and comfort without any words being spoken. You know, the story of Job, right? It's a really long book. Right there in the middle of our Bibles. Job has disaster strike in his life, overwhelming death, overwhelming loss. Word gets around to his three friends, and in Job chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, this is what it says, when, th- when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Naamathite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and they threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Now, I don't know what those three guys had going when they heard about Job's suffering, but whatever it was, they they dropped it so they could go and be with Job. They were present in his life. They got faithfulness right up to this point in the book. Now, after that, they start talking and things don't go so well. But up to this point, they showed us what a faithful friend looks like. They were present for seven days and nights, mourning with Job in his suffering. It's a beautiful picture of how to love a friend. A faithful friend is present. Being a faithful friend also means you're going to come through. You're going to keep your promises as a faithful friend. So if you tell a friend you're going to do something, you actually go and and get it done. If you tell a friend you're going to show up, you actually show up and you're on time. You, You make sure you deliver on your promises. Or even better, over-deliver on your promises. 
I mean, we've, I would say we've probably all been let down, you know, a time or two by somebody who said they would do something or said they would be there and they, they didn't show up or they, uh, you know, they, they didn't, uh, do what they said they were going to do. I mean, imagine we've all had that experience. Life happens and you know what? Life's going to happen again. But aren't there people in your life who are always promising but never delivering? You know, always say they're going to do something or always say they'll be there, but then they tend to not be there and not do it. And what happens then when they tell us things? We, we don't believe them. We listen, you know. I mean, I'm sure that the promises are made out of love, out of the best intentions of their heart. But they don't follow through, so we just don't believe it. And what happens? We stop counting on those people in our lives. I mean, that's just how it, how it goes. Can your friends count on you? Can your friends count on you? Are you a person of your word? Do you show up when you say you're going to show up? Do you get done what you say you will get done? Keep your promises. Learn to keep your promises to be a faithful friend. To be a faithful friend also means that you will pay the price to be faithful. To do those two things, be present and keep your promises, there's a price to pay to be able to do that. You cannot be in two places at once, right? So if you're going to be present with a friend over here, then over here you're going to be absent. And there's a price to pay there. If you tell your friend, hey, Saturday night we're going to go and I'm going to help you get this done. And then you go home and you look at your calendar and you go, my favorite team's playing that night. There's a price to pay to be faithful. It's a small price and a meaningless price, but it's a price. And so you can think of all kinds of different scenarios like that. You know, that'll come up. If you desire to be a faithful friend, to show yourself faithful to your friends, you will run into... Scenarios like that where you have to pay a price to be faithful. And that's where you have to decide how important is faithfulness to others in my life. So we want to learn to be faithful. Learn to be present. Learn to keep your promises. Learn to pay the price to make those things happen in your life. If you learn those things, if you learn to be faithful to the people you call friends, I promise you, they will thank you. They will thank you. So not only do we want to learn to be faithful, we also want to learn to be truthful. Be a truthful friend. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, there's an order to what we're learning here, I believe. We want to, we want to prove ourselves faithful in a relationship, in a friendship first, before we ever have to be truthful. Okay, so we want to have a strong relationship of trust before we ever have to lean on that trust to try and speak truth into someone's life. So be sure you're counted as a faithful friend before you do any wounding with the truth because most likely when that happens, if you don't have that trust, if you don't have that relationship built up there, then they'll count you as an enemy. And the truth will not have its life impact that it should have. Now, if after you've got that friendship there, you've got you know a good, solid relationship there, when the time comes, if the time comes, then 
we want to be truthful. We want to be able to speak the truth into our friends' lives. Now listen, we've all got blind spots. Okay, you know, some place in our life, some area that we just don't see things the way we should see them. Or we're ignoring something, or we're letting something go on, and it's not good for us, it's not good for people in our lives. Okay? It's kind of like um, <clears throat> you go to... You go to lunch with a friend, and you're, you know, you're having lunch, you're talking, and, and all of a sudden they've got a little bit of mayonnaise on their chin, you know, or at the, at the corner of their mouth. Or maybe they got a little spinach stuck in their tooth, you know. And the server's coming up, and they're just, you know, talking away, you know, and they got this food, and you're going, let me get my napkin. Are we just going to let it go on and on, or are we going to tell them, hey, you got a little food. Don't you hate that? That's a blind, it's like a blind spot. It's like a blind spot. So what are we going to do? Are we going to tell them about it? Or are we going to let them go with food on their face? A couple of weeks ago, I had a meeting with, with, some, with some people. And I came home from the meeting, and Lucy, she met me and gave me a hug. And then she stepped back and she goes, Dad, your shirt's on inside out. And I looked down, and I'm like, well, sure enough, it is. I went through this whole meeting with my shirt on inside out. <clears throat> Lucy's my friend. She's my friend. She told me. She told me about it. <clears throat> Speaking, being truthful uh, with, with friends, uh, it, it, uh, it's hard to do. So say one of your friends, one of your friends is uh, uh, putting down his wife in public in front of her. But he doesn't know he's doing it. He's just joking around. He just thinks he's being funny. But you can watch every time he does it, his wife just loses life. She wilts. And he's not seeing it. So what, what do you do? Do you sit down with him and say, hey, listen, those things that you're doing, that's bad for your marriage. Your, your wife's getting hurt by that. Or you just let it go on. Say one of your one of your friends is just spreading herself too thin. You know, she's got this part-time job and she's volunteering at school with where, where, where her kids go to school. Um, I mean, she's teaching a, a Bible study at church. Um, she's serving in the nursery and, and trying to be a mom and trying to be a wife on, on top of all of this. And you notice she's tired all the time. She's getting sick. She's short with her kids on the way to the car after church. She's complaining all the time about how much her husband is working. What do, you, what do you do? Do you, do you tell her, hey, you've you got too many balls in the air. You need more time to support the life that you're trying to live. Or do you let her go on? You know, they say those balls in the air, some of them are rubber and some of them are glass. And you've got to figure out which ones are which. Those rubber ones can drop. Proverbs 27:17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So part of our responsibilities in friendship, to be a good friend, are to speak the truth in love into the places in our lives where, where our friends just don't see. They've got blind spots. And it's not good for them. It's, it's one way that we grow. It's, it's how we change. We need each other to grow. And, I mean, it's how the wounds of a friend are counted faithful. Now, there's a difference between hurting someone with the truth and harming someone with the truth. There's a difference between those two things. See, we're sharpening the iron. When you sharpen the iron, there's friction. 
There's maybe even some sparks. But the iron's getting sharp. There's a difference between that and blunting the iron. Brute force with the truth. So there's a difference between hurting and harming. And the world today is totally getting that mixed up. They say you're hurting, you're harming because you're hurting. We're no longer allowed to offend anyone today. You will be called out as hateful. They get things confused. They say we're wrong. They say we don't understand grace. How can that be loving that you're hurting someone? You need to be more like Jesus. But you know, Jesus was a man who was full of grace and full of truth. You know, he was the one who said to his friend who was trying to protect him, Get behind me, Satan. He was the one who said to the woman caught in adultery, Where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. He is the one who said to his sleepy disciples in the garden, Can't you even pray with me one hour? He is the one who said to the 38-year-old invalid who couldn't get into the healing waters, well, do you want to get well? He said to his mother at the wedding at Canaan who was worried about the wine. When the wine ran out, she came to Jesus, do something. Why are you involving me? It's not my time yet. It is not hard to find Jesus speaking truth in the Gospels, you know. It's not hard to find it, but we can be assured every time it was spoken, it was full of love. Full of love. Now, Jesus, he said a lot of things. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus said a lot more things than the red letters in our Bible. We just don't have it written down. And everything that Jesus said could be categorized as truth. It would fall under the banner of of truth. But only some things that he spoke were corrective truths. You know, the, the rebuke. So he did that sometimes. Not all the time. Just sometimes. And so if, as we think about Christ, as we think about wanting to be like him, wanting to grow in, in his image, we don't have to take on the identity of being a truth teller where all we're doing is speaking corrective truth into people's lives. There are those people out there who have taken it upon themselves to be that kind of person. That's not the kind of person we want to be. Jesus told us to be the salt of the earth. And so when it comes to our corrective truthfulness in our friends' lives, it needs to be like that. It needs to be like salt. You know, salt is a seasoning. And you can put it on your food, it brings out some more flavor. But if you put too much of it on your food, it ruins the food. Same thing in in a relationship with truth. It can ruin your relationship if you put too much of it on there. Jesus in their day, they used salt to preserve food because they didn't have refrigerators. And so that's the same thing we can look at as salt doing or truth doing in, in the lives of our relationships. A little bit will preserve a soul. It will sharpen. It will make them better. They will grow. It's good. We want to speak the truth in our conversations to make them more flavorful and to help people grow in the Lord. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how to answer everyone. At the height of her eating disorder, strangers came up to Lauren on the street in Nashville and said, Hey, you need to eat a cheeseburger. Or they'd say, Honey, are you getting enough to eat? That was my best southern accent. (laughs) But it was her friends at the YMCA where she worked out that saved her life. Lauren said that it really hit home that, you know, this wasn't my parents telling me what to do. This wasn't my doctors telling me I'm not healthy. This was coming from my friends. And this made all the difference. One morning when Lauren woke up, she weighed herself. She weighed 79 pounds. And she was frightened. She was scared. She prayed God would heal her. But she still got in her car, drove to the YMCA, got there 10 minutes before it opened to get her favorite Stairmaster. Well, there was a guy named Johnny Phipps there. He was one of the gym goers, and he organized this intervention. He said, we saw this girl who was going to die, and we knew we needed to do something. And so in the parking lot, a group of YMCA um, friends, regulars, who had concerns about Lauren for weeks, they approached her when she got there and said, we're going to the hospital. They said when, when Lauren's car pulled into the parking lot, it was like they just converged around the car and she was like deer in the headlights. She put up a fight at first, pretty good fight, insisting, no, I've got this thing under control. I'm okay. I don't need to go to the hospital. That's extreme. But her friends went out and they went. Now, when they got to the hospital, the emergency room doctors, they were going to let her go home. Because on paper, things look good. And Lauren was very ready to agree with them. To go back to her six to seven hour workouts per day, eating vegetables, steamed vegetables, and frozen turkey burgers. But she calls them her YMCA angels. She says, my friends wouldn't let that happen. They stayed there and fought to get me care. They knew that I needed help. You know, it is hard to speak truth into people's lives at times. It is hard. There's a risk in doing that. Many times it's a wound that you're inflicting. And we don't want to do that. We don't like to do that. And so when when it comes time to, to do that, when you see there's something I need to say, you want to take a step back and you want to make sure you've got a good understanding of the situation. You know, of what's going on. Lots of prayer into that. And then you want to make sure you take the log out of your own eye before you help your brother take the speck out of their eye. And then you want to make sure that you're wanting to help and not harm. And then you need to speak the truth. And trust God to work in that. Proverbs 24, 26 says, An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. We talked about that verse in our small group last week, and how the how that is uh, how how that looks. You know, we were we were thinking that you know you only kiss people on the lips who are really special in your life, and so those kisses are rare, they're sweet, they're soft, and they're good. So we want to make our truthfulness like that. Proverbs 28:23 says whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. So again, if you learn to be a truthful friend, full of grace, full of truth, 
your friends will eventually thank you. So if you want to have friends, you got to be a good friend. You want to be a good friend by being faithful and being truthful and being helpful. Proverbs 3, 27, 28 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. In Proverbs, friend and neighbor, pretty much the same word. So as you're going through there reading, you see that. That's how that's, that's going. So it's really not too hard to understand this one, being helpful. And it's really not too hard to do, um, being helpful. So it's basically, if you can help, help. If you got the time, give it. If you got the means, make sure it happens. If you got the strength, the knowledge, be a helpful friend. Be a helpful friend. I read this article this week. It was, it was about the world that we live in, about the technology, how the, how the technology that we have today with social media and all the time we spend on our phones, how that's working against us living incarnationally as believers in the lives of people around us. Now, what does that mean? Living incarnationally means that we bring Jesus to life in the lives of people around us through our presence, through our hands and through our feet, through our voice. We're bringing Jesus to life. And you can't do that on your phone. God did not call us to the ministry of Facebook. He called us to the ministry of face to face. And we've got to remember that, church. We've got to continue to work against that. You know, our friends, they do not need us to like something. That's just a lazy way to love somebody. Isn't it? They need, our, they need our help. They don't need a helping quote. They need our hands laid on them and prayed for them in their presence. They don't need a comment saying, I'm praying for you, thinking about you. Don't let that be the sum total of your help today in people's lives. We cannot let that happen. We are losing if we do that. We're losing. So, step back. Who in your life needs your help? Who can you help? Who needs your presence? Now, I, I think that most people can get behind this, you know. I mean, the idea of helping someone, most people, you know, they're all in. No matter who they are. They, they can really get fired up about this idea. And I think Solomon knew that too. And so Solomon gave us a few tips when it comes to our helping. Here's the first one, Proverbs 27, 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. So apparently Solomon was not a morning person. So we have to heed that advice. If you're an early riser, don't jump in there with a loud voice. It's not going to be taken, taken well. Proverbs 25, 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. So apparently Solomon was an introvert. And, uh, you know, he was careful about who he visited. But it's a good rule of thumb. You know, don't wear out your welcome. We know, we know that. So there's some, you know, some tips when it comes to, to our, our helping. But we want to learn to be a helpful friend. You know, friendship is so hard. It's so hard. And it, it's, it seems so hard to, to find good friends. But you know what? I kind of think this, this right here is the place to start. You know, helping. Going out and helping someone and seeing how the Lord uses that 
in our life and seeing what kind of friendships might develop because of that. You know, we are really stinky at doing friendship. I thought this for years, being a small group pastor for a few years at Brookville Road and, you know, trying to get people to connect, you know, um, it's just like we're just, we just stink at doing this. So I'm, I'm, you know, three things. Be helpful. Be faithful. Be truthful. This is a place to start. Here's an example. I got a a, a testimony to, to show you of a guy who embodies all of these things. He's putting God's wisdom uh, to work in his friendship. So let's watch. Another beautiful story. You know, I mean, you could just see these things, right, in, in Jake's life. He, he was present. He said you had to be persistent to get into Cole's life. You know, just to get, be faithful, showing him again and again, you can trust me. And then what? Keep him safe on the football field. You know, that's what that truth was when he went up behind him on the football field and he put his hand on his shoulder, holding him back. You know, keeping him safe, telling him that. And then, you know, speaking truth there in, in his life. You know, when I first watched that, I thought Jake might be on the football team. Uh-uh. Jake's just on Cole's team. He was just there to make sure that Cole had a good experience with that and had fun on, on the team. And it looked like he might be the quarterback coach, maybe, or something like that. Cole, that was, that was kind of crazy. He had everything going on. Pretty, pretty neat. So just, there's, it's just a great example there of, of being faithful, uh, being truthful, and being helpful. Now, that's what, so that's what we're talking about, and, and that's the wisdom to take and apply in your life, apply to the, the friends that you have, uh, apply it to the people that you want to go and uh, seek out uh, as, as friends. And you know what? I, I believe with all my heart that if you would do those things, Later on, your friends will thank you. Let's have our worship team back up here this morning. And I've got one last, one last piece of friendship wisdom for you today. It's not on the PowerPoint, Jen, so. <laughs> Be a forgetful friend. Be a forgetful friend. You know, friendship is hard because we give our hearts to someone. And then we get hurt somehow. Um, we, we get let down or are disappointed. And what the natural response to that is, is to draw back from friendship. To draw back from people. To build walls up around our hearts so that we don't get hurt again. That's the natural thing that goes on in our life. But God has not designed us to live that way. With walls up around our heart. He's not designed us to do life that way with other people. He's designed us to do it with people. And so to be able to get there, to be able to say like Solomon, two really are better than one and three even better, what we got to do is we got to be a forgetful friend. We need to forget about the hurt that was caused. We need to forget about the words that were spoken to us. We need to forget about the betrayal of trust or being left Alone, We need to forgive and we need to forget and we need to move on in life. Now what I'm not, I'm not saying here is that you need to forget and go back to the old friendship, to the person that hurt you. Proverbs has wisdom about that, you know, about you know, applying wisdom in those relationships. You don't need to go back and put yourself in that same unhealthy, bad relationship. But as you go forward, you forget about that. Forgive, forget, and give yourself another chance to experience true friendship. Because if you build the walls, you'll never do that. And you say, well, how? 
how in the world do I do that? I mean, it's natural. I don't want to be hurt anymore. I don't want to feel this way ever again in my whole life. And there is one way, there's only one way to do that. And that is to cling to the friend whose name in your, in, in, in your life is faithful and true. Jesus' name is faithful and true. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend. And we need to run to him. You know, he experienced all the sin that you could experience in friendship. Abandonment, betrayal, disappointment, false accusations, anger, all of this stuff. He experienced, and you know what he did? He stuck with us. He stuck with us. All the way up the hill. All the way to the cross. Dying for all of that. He stuck with us. And because He stuck with us, we can cling to Him knowing He's never going to leave us or forsake us. Our hearts are His. Our lives are His. We're in His hands. Nothing is going to conquer us. We are more than conquerors in Him. And so that's why we can try again. That's why we can give our heart again in friendship. I don't know what will happen. I don't know if there'll be pain or whatever, hurt, but it's worth it. Would you risk it today? Would you risk it again? Maybe you need to tear down some walls from around your heart and just say, I'm going to forget. I'm going to forgive and forget. And I'm going to cling to Jesus and try again. Let's stand together and we'll sing our way into Jesus' arms. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to just thank you and praise you for being the faithful and true friend that we can count on. You're always there. Always with us. Even when we try to turn to the right or to the left, that hand comes and grabs our shoulder, speaks a word of truth to our hearts convicts us and turns us back. Even when we fall down in our sin, those hands come down and they pick us back up, dusting off our body, putting back on that robe of white, saying, come on, let's go. There's people to love. There's people to serve. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus, for sticking with us, for dying for us, for walking with us through this life. Lord, we're getting ready to go out and into a world of people some we don't know some we spend time with and know really well but we know we could be better friends so guide us in our application of your wisdom today in being faithful truthful and helpful
Holy Spirit, fill us today to go walk in in your way. Make a difference in somebody's life for your glory and our good. We love you today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.